0: Hello everybody, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me. Welcome to Talk Radio. I'm your host Hillary Remo. Well, I'm going to continue my series on cannabis education this week with my very special guest, Heather Manis. Heather is a registered nurse, a native New Mexican, and she specializes in all aspects of medical cannabis care nurse heather as she's known began her career as a registered nurse providing psychiatric home health care to patients in new mexico Nurse Heather has extensive background and experience in natural healing modalities and herbal remedies, some of which she obtained from her close association with Hispanic and Native American healers in New Mexico. Her vast knowledge and holistic approach to individualized patient care has been the cornerstone of her success as a nurse, educator, entrepreneur, and promoter of health. As the founder of the Arizona Cannabis Nurses Association and fierce advocate for veterans and mental health, Nurse Heather was responsible for the addition of post-traumatic stress disorder as a debilitating condition under Arizona's Medical Marijuana Act. Nurse Heather was awarded the 2015 Canna Awards Best Charitable community outreach program and cannabis business awards in 2015 and in 2017 activist of the year as a cannabis nurse entrepreneur nurse heather established herself in both new mexico in 2010 and arizona in 2013 where she opened the first licensed medical cannabis infusion facility to provide cannabis patients with smokeless alternative products Now in California, her natural health company, Nature Nurse, combines years of knowledge and experience with modern science and research to provide high-quality products and services that naturally support the endocannabinoid system. Nurse Heather has been a beloved presenter in the educational, medical, and cannabis industry conference speaking circuits since 2010. She has been featured and published in several videos, films, and magazines. And she hosts her own online podcast called Good News with Nurse Heather. In 2016, Heather was honored to receive the Cannabis Business Awards Educational Achievement Award and a Leader of Nursing Award from Cannabis Nurses Network in 2016, 17, and 19. I am so excited to have her here today because we have a wealth of information to share with all of you. Very excited
1: to have her here. Welcome, Heather. Thank you so much. Wow, thank you, Hillary. I'm excited to be here today with you and your listeners to share a little love and knowledge and, and bring these topics out into the open. So thank you for having me.
0: Well, I think it's really important, which is why I started uh, talking about this this month. Because we have so much up in the air. People are confused. Some states are legal. Some states aren't legal. So we have this complex dynamic across our country. And I think the best way to help navigate that is by being informed and understanding. You know what we really need to know. So again, thank you for being here. So. Where, you know, where do you want to start? I think we should start with perhaps how you decided to become a cannabis nurse. We, we heard a lot about your background and your phenomenal accomplishments. But as a psychiatric home health care provider, how did you make the switch?
1: Well, it, it's kind of funny when people say, how did you get into this? I said, I have no idea. I was either just born to do it, um, but it feels like this baby fell in my lap and I had no choice but to take care of it. And really, it came from the needs of my patients. And one of the things that I realized when I was working in the homes of patients that had debilitating illnesses and they were, you know, had psychiatric issues or mental health issues Um I, I noticed that a lot of those patients actually used marijuana and it wasn't medical cannabis that we know about today. I would see it because they would leave it laying around and it was seeds and stems and it looked like what we call in New Mexico, uh, brickweed and <laughs> and it just didn't look that healthy to me and and I so I started talking to these patients and saying, "I, I recognize that you're using cannabis. Um, here in the state of New Mexico, we actually have a program that is through the Department of Health Services. It's a medical program that you can get a recommendation from your doctor and become legal. And my goal was to help them with their so that they didn't have any legal issues um, because they obviously medically qualified and." I just felt that if they were part of the medical system, that they would be able to access cannabis medicine that was of higher quality than what I saw them using. Um, And and so that kind of started it. And and one of the other things that happened is I had a patient who was an MS patient, he was younger. So he was really angry because this had, had really taken a hold of his life. And he was wheelchair-bound, and he needed assistance, and he had constant home health services. And he would get frustrated with our nurses. And so they said, Heather, we'd like to send you in. He's, he's got anger issues. And what I did when I first got his record was I looked, and at the very top on his medication record, it said cannabis. And I went, wow, that's unusual because... You didn't see cannabis on a medication record. You just didn't. And and so when I got to the home, I asked him about cannabis and, and why this was on his medication record and how he was using it. And quite frankly, Hillary, that opened up Pandora's box for me because he was able to describe to me how he was using medicines in different forms, from smoking it, the flour, to using topicals on his feet to help with um, you know, the breakdown that he had and to also rub on his legs at night to help relax his muscles so that he could sleep better. Um, and, and he spoke to me about edibles and these different methods of administration because he had a caregiver that helped him grow and made products for him. And like I said, this he, I later learned that he was the fifth card holding patient in New Mexico. And it it just really helped me see that there was a huge need. And if it was helping this patient, how these smokeless alternatives and different products could help the other patients that I knew about. And so I, I started helping patients, you know, get their card through the state and everything we did was completely legal because they needed to be part of that program. And and then the next question came, which I wasn't anticipating. Uh, Great, Nurse Heather, I have my card. Where do I access cannabis in New Mexico? And at the time, there really wasn't any storefront where you could get it. We lived in a rural area. And so I started reaching out to find out how do patients access medicine, and how do they get access to these smokeless alternatives that my other patient was utilizing through his caregiver? And and again, that sent me down another path um, of working with the, the state. And, and I became a medical director for one of the uh, producers. And that allowed me the opportunity to be able to help patients navigate the access of cannabis products. And in the meantime, because there were no smokeless alternative products on the market, it was only flour, I was able to talk to the Department of Health and the program director. And I said, what are we going to do with my patients that are on oxygen and they can't smoke or they need it to rub it on their, their legs and to help with their muscle pain? And they said, we haven't thought about that. We haven't really gotten that far in the program. And I'll never forget it. But the program director said, Nurse Heather, you're going to have to f- just figure that out. And so I did. Um, as a nurse, I'm a critical thinker. I know how to, you know, navigate state systems and licensing. And so I was able to open the first edible and infusion kitchens in the state of New Mexico and be able to provide products that were needed by my patients. And again, it was out of sheer need, um, But I had this knowledge because prior to becoming a nurse, and I know you've heard me say before, Hillary, I was was born as a healer and trained as a nurse. And so because I had this background with the Hispanic curanderas and the Native American healers and the training and love and knowledge and wisdom they shared with me before I became a nurse – They had taught me how to gather medicine and how to process medicine, how to make it into products to distribute to the community. So I kind of already had that in my back pocket when this cannabis as an ingredient became part of what my calling became.
0: Well, it's a fascinating story. You did so much good. You know, I live in New York where it's not legal yet. So we do have medical marijuana here. But many people who I've heard their stories say the same thing. You know, they don't know which doctor to go to to even get the card. And then when they get the card, they have no idea where to go. It's very complicated and and nobody likes to talk about it. And it's very disruptive to getting access to care that you do need. So I can appreciate the difficulty in that. And thank you for your time and effort to help begin some kind of You know implementation for that, Uh, and thank you very much for the post traumatic stress diagnosis going under as a condition for the medical marijuana act in Arizona. I think a lot of people can say that that definitely is something that it helps with. Um, You know, one of the things I come away with from last my last week's talk with Dr. Yui Blushing, we were talking about um, the stigma and how the stigma of cannabis is really what we're up against a lot, no matter where you live, when it comes to using cannabis as a healing plant. What what are your thoughts on Uh, I don't want to call it a battle necessarily, but it kind of feels that way. You know, you're battling a stigma and if you consume cannabis for whatever condition and uh, it's very helpful to you, you still have to then deal with the people around you or your work situations that don't necessarily uh, jump on board with how great it is. So what has been your experience with battling the stigma of of the plant?
1: Well, and I think that nurses are positioned in a beautiful place. You know, we're we're just right in the right position because we work with patients, we understand science and medicine, but we also understand um, that patients are going to do what patients are going to do. Right? We can give our recommendations, we can educate, but uh, a patient's health is a patient's right to to take on as their own responsibility. We're partners in their health care. And so what I see cannabis being, and just to come back to the stigma piece, you know, nurses, we kind of don't have stigma a lot of times. We try to leave our stigma at the door to be able to do our job. And it's interesting how cannabis still creeps in and, and there is stigma even through the nursing community. Stigma is the number one enemy to health right now. And um, I, I guess it's kind of been my mission in life to just keep living the truth and speaking the truth and trying to help others open their eyes to understand. And as the science comes out and the research is really beginning to support these things that we know when we see clinically with patients, I think that that's helping to decrease some of the stigma Um, but you still have religious sectors that, you know, it's, that's, it's drug use. Um, You have, even speaking about the mental health community and the psychiatric community, they're going to be the last medical folks to get on board with this. And it's very interesting to, to even have to say that, but it's the truth. You would think that mental health workers would be more forward thinking, um, but it really seems like the psychiatric world has their foothold on cannabis substance use disorder and and not really looking at it from a medical perspective and coming back to the endocannabinoid system and how the endocannabinoid system is playing into mental health. Um, so I've done a lot of work in that area. It's, it's hard to, to fight that. Um, I will note that New Mexico was the first state to recognize medically that post-traumatic stress disorder was, um, was a qualifying condition for cannabis. I didn't realize that because I lived there. And, and so I knew that a lot of the patients that were on the program were on the program under the diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. So when I went to Arizona to help them establish their first edibles and infusion facility there, I realized that Arizona did not have post-traumatic stress disorder as a qualifying condition. And I went, well, let's fix that. You know, let's just petition and, and let's go ahead and do that. Again, down a path, girl, I had no idea where I was headed. And that was, the nastiest legal battle of my life. Um, We fought for basically four years, the Arizona Cannabis Nurses Association versus the Arizona Department of Health Services um, in court battling it out. And and we did four-day evidentiary hearings where we brought in experts and we spoke. And and we won with post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, We were able to get that condition listed um, as a qualifying condition. Oddly enough, Arizona is very anti-growth of the cannabis, medical cannabis program. And so they kept a tight hold on it. We had petitioned for many other um, conditions and post-traumatic stress disorder to date is the only added condition to the Arizona Medical Marijuana Act and and we did that like I said, after a lot of legal battles. So when you're talking about stigma and you're going up against high level attorneys and you have you know j- judges that are deciding these cases, and you have public health state workers that are blatantly uneducated in the courtroom, it was it was one of the most, Revealing things that I've ever done because it really pulled that curtain back on stigma, and you realize it's politics, it's um, money involved, it's it's lack of intellectual curiosity. It's sad that stigma can take a hold of our community this way, and and try to keep knowledge away from people and that's really what I've seen is that this knowledge is there um, there's just one struggle after another getting it into the mainstream but we're working our way in definitely are well
0: apparently yes and thank you for that so do would it be fair to say then that this entire legalization process across our country right now is also at the same time revealing a very for-profit medical system that is really catering to politics and big pharma
1: oh big pharma is is they are um very unhappy with what people are finding when they use cannabis a plant that can be grown in their backyard literally um it, it, what's happening is patients are getting off pharmaceuticals and we're seeing it happen. Uh, there's research or, and you know, data showing that the Medicare um, costs were reduced once in states where patients are using cannabis because they're getting off of pharmaceuticals. You see a reduction in opioid overdose deaths in states, a reduction of 25% in states that have, um, you know, legalized a medical cannabis program. And so we do know that this plant is balancing our minds and our bodies and our spirits in such a way that we're recognizing that this um, pharmaceutical based pill popping, quick fix uh, that we've always thought we needed is actually causing more harm than it's worth. And there, these patients, the whole cannabis movement is a patient's movement, Hillary. It started with the patients. Patients wanted this. They wanted their freedom to be able to use this. This comes from patients. And so even as we move into this industry where now on Wall Street, there are stocks that are trading in cannabis stocks. um, It's now accepted as an industry. All of that, every bit of it is happening off of the backs of these patients who fought for their rights to use a plant as medicine and not go to jail for it. And there are still people today in jail and going to jail over this plant. And um, from a health perspective and a public health perspective, that is very detrimental to our communities. Boy, oh boy, do I see big changes coming. So, you know, we we
0: have a choice, I guess, right? We can educate ourselves or we can just kind of stick our heads in the sand and move move about our lives and not care or not think for ourselves. Um, you talked a little bit before about clean medicine and you talked about how your inspiring patient who got you motivated to, to jump on board with all this, how he Had brick looking kind of cannabis. So another thing I noticed kind of on the non-professional side is many people don't know what they're consuming. Now that they have dispensaries popping up, they go in, they're not really sure what they're looking for. They're not really sure what the percents or the strains are or the difference. You know, they've, they've heard CBD plastered all over the place and CBD is allowed everywhere. So therefore it must be okay. So I'll go for CBD. So What would you tell listeners uh, when it comes to trying to make sure they are aligned with clean medicine, no pesticides, no junk in there that's going to actually harm them like mold or things of that sort?
1: So I think of it in a similar way. Um, You know, in California, cannabis is not as defined as neither a drug or a food, that it's an agricultural commodity. And so when, when you're thinking about an agricultural commodity of any kind or a food product, something that you're ingesting or putting in or on your body, um, you should always know what it is that, that you're using, right? And so you have your no-name generic brand of things, and then you have your high, high-end brand of things, and then you have your super niche craft brand of things you have the high quality um, products that you know everything that's in it because it's simple and fresh you know so you've got this wide range of products and it's the same thing in the cannabis industry and so now that we have this access we've kind of broken through that barrier of where do i get cannabis now like you said it's available there's cbd and uh you know gas stations and, (laughs) and drug stores and things like that. So it's becoming access is more available and now becoming wise to what's in these products is important. And, and I know that you talk about this and that it's, it's a sticky point for you as it is for me as well. Um, Well, rightfully
0: so. If you think about, you know, the corporate takeovers of mass production, You know, you hear stories of Marlboro, who brought us the the deadly cigarette, taking over and and creating, you know, mass distribution channels for their products. You know, people people need to know that that there's a difference between organic, sun-grown product versus indoor, corporate, you know, chemical-sprayed product, don't you think?
1: I absolutely agree. And, you know, you brought up the tobacco and how it was this deadly tobacco, and it but yet still at the same time, we have traditional ceremonies that take place where sacred tobacco is used and the smoke is used. And, and it's tobacco is not the enemy, right? Just like cannabis is not the enemy. It's the intent and how it's used. And so what we find with patients now that they have this access is that when they go into a dispensary for the first time, they are overwhelmed because it's not i I just want to go get a bag of weed, right? They're, they're going <laughs> to consume these cannabis products. They're costly. They're um, there. There's a bunch of different types. They have interesting names. And so one of the things that I encourage patients to do is to kind of do a little bit of research before they go into, into a dispensary and kind of have an idea of what they're, they're wanting. Um Because it's a little bit overwhelming. There's a lot of different products. I will say that if you go into a dispensary and you talk to the bud tenders, although bud tenders get a a bad rap sometimes, when it comes to products, they know what's on their shelves. They know what they're using themselves. They know what patients are purchasing. Um, And for the most part, they will have the product makers will come in and talk about or they'll be trained on the products. So. I would say that bud tenders are a great source of information in a lot of States like California testing of products is mandatory. So you won't have a product that is moldy or inferior in that way within a dispensary setting. Um, But if you go to arizona where testing is not mandatory it's kind of a free-for-all so you have to be a little bit wiser so i think it's important to know what are the requirements for your state Um, talk to your bud tenders they're they're there to educate you and help you to gain more information Um, but you're right if you're buying cbd something out of a gas station the, with a bag of chips and a soda, I mean, you don't know what you're getting. Is it a, you know, a hemp derived product that's from a toxic um, environment where it was grown or is it just the sludge or is it the flowers or you don't know exactly what, what's in that product. And um, it's important to know that. So uh, what would be the first, like the
0: top three Questions somebody would want to research and find out before they go to a dispensary. And I also want to add that not all dispensaries are the same. Some of them can be very intimidating, especially if you've never been in one and you walk in and you have, you know, police standing there. They take your license. I mean, I've done a tour in California and I just recently did a tour in Massachusetts and what a different vibe you have in different dispensaries so for somebody just beginning this journey it might be very intimidating so what would be the what would you consider you know like the top 3 educate yourself points before you go in for the first time
1: it's a good idea that you you can call a dispensary and ask some questions before you even go in whoever you feel a vibe that's going to be most helpful to you you can go go there. Um, I think finding your location and your spot where, where you're going to feel like you you trust the people that are helping you and they take the time to assist, that's going to be important. So I would just do research on, on the dispensaries themselves. The next thing I would do is really come up with a list of What am I trying to accomplish through this cannabis use? Am I trying to reduce my pain? Am I trying to reduce my pharmaceutical use? Am I trying to increase my energy? Am I trying to, you know, decrease writer's block? What am I trying to do? Um, And then look at how you would like to take those products. So when you go in, a, a bud tender will typically ask, are you looking for flour? Do you want edibles? Are you looking for tinctures? Do you want topicals? Um, and so there's so many different types and methods of administration of products that you'll kind of want to have an idea of what you're coming in to purchase. Uh, from that point, I would say, who are who is the most reputable brand? Who is growing sustainab- sustainably? Who is green certified? Who is doing things the way that... that we know they should be done and really researching out these product companies themselves because it's important to know who's making your medicine and we don't really get that opportunity in in the big pharma world i mean we kind if we did the research to find out who was making our medicine we would never put another pill in our mouth um, so in the cannabis industry because we're in this space where everyone's trying to be sustainable they're trying to go green they're trying to do things the right way seek out those companies and those businesses and give them your your attention money. give yeah, them your the money absolutely. You support, them. support them yes yes
0: well, one of my favorite topics, I can't believe we've already gone through half the program already. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> it's such a great topic, and you're a fantastic speaker on this, by the way. Uh, so CBD versus, versus THC. I talked a little bit about this last week, but everybody has a different opinion and different background and specialties. I'd like to know how you see the difference between CBD and THC, uh, what you think about Uh, needing both, or a balance, or one versus the other. Can you kind of go into that for us and talk about it? Like, if if I were a patient of yours and I came to you and I said, hey, Nurse Heather, I hear all this good stuff about CBD and this horrible stigma about THC, what do I do? What would you say?
1: Well, there's, there's a meme that's going around in social media, and it says, come for the CBD, stay for the THC. And it's really, that's what we're seeing clinically. Hillary, is that a lot of people are saying, oh, what's up with the CBD thing? I want to do it because it doesn't get me high. Um, and, and I think it will help me and it's really helping me. And honestly, CBD came into my realm of, of ideas and thoughts during the time when the children were starting to experience reductions in these massive seizures. And what we saw there, and I'm just going to keep Keep this little flow going so that you have a little background. What we saw with a lot of those children that had Dravet syndrome and seizures and they were using CBD, they did really well in reducing their seizures for a series of time. But what happened is over a period of time, the CBD alone stopped working. The seizures started to increase. And so what I was getting were calls from parents saying, it's not working anymore and that was when I had to start the, we need to introduce THC conversation. And that wasn't always easy because we were working with children, but it was true. And so even just adding the smallest amount of ratio of CBD to THC, uh, I think you know 20 CBD to one THC, that was helping a lot of children. Um, and so what, we know, what that helped me to understand is that CBD is really great at priming the body and getting it feeling better. But when you really are trying to gain the full balance and potential of the endocannabinoid system, supplementing with even the smallest amount of THC can be so extremely beneficial. And one thing we definitely know Is when the CBD content ratio is higher than the THC ratio, say five milligrams of CBD to one milligram of THC, that a patient would not feel that quote, high or euphoric effect. And so that's one of the things that I hear a lot of people say, wow, I took that CBD and it wasn't like I was high and I didn't feel anything different. It was just like, wow, I'm not as achy or I'm moving easier or I was able to clean out the garage and I didn't creak and, 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 and hurt and have to take breaks. And so it's not that it's CBD doesn't change you in a way that makes you feel like oh, I'm high now, that means that my pain is being reduced, because that's what we get with a pharmaceutical. We take a pill, and we know in 15 minutes, we're going to start feeling a little bit, you know, good in our head, and then the pain is going to be gone. We've associated that high with pain relief, and what we find with cannabinoids is it doesn't have to be that way, but isolating one cannabinoid and just using that cannabinoid is not As effective as using a full spectrum or a whole plant medicine and so what we do know is that cannabis has hundreds of plant-based compounds and some of those are cannabinoids some of those are called terpenoids terpenes terpenes are in all all kinds of uh, foods and fruits and plants because it's the part of the plant that gives you the smell so when you smell cannabis, each plant or variety or cultivar will smell a little bit different. And that's the terpenes. So the terpenes have something to do with interacting with the endocannabinoid system. Different cannabinoids, including CBD, THC, uh, CBG, CBN, C, you know, THCV, there's all these compounds that are that can be isolated and used individually. But what we're finding is that if you use them together in a synergistic fashion, that that's where we really see the most medicinal benefit. Did that Uh, help answer your question? It it does. Yeah. And, And it also ties in your background with healer healers
0: and working with the indigenous and, and harvesting and preparing Medicinal formulas for use from plants, and you know the one thing I comes up in conversation a lot is, well, it's a plant. It's a plant that you can grow in your backyard, you know, it is it's a plant that you can go pick and smoke or make into a tea or however you prefer to use it. And we have so much proof that plant medicine can be very beneficial to the human body, but again we're we're up against a medical system that really doesn't support that knowledge, unfortunately. But I think that will change and I'm hopeful. And the key I think
1: the here. key is the key is really the endocannabinoid system, Hillary. I mean, we've got to get the medical community, every doctor, every nurse, every researcher, everybody that's working in any type of health care and medicine to understand the human endocannabinoid system. It is the balancing center for the human body. It makes everything else work well. It creates synergy throughout the body and communication. It's the largest receptor signaling system in the human body. And the majority of our healthcare providers today are unaware of its its existence. And so it's very important that um, if nothing else, that people Google the endocannabinoid system and start learning about the science behind it, Google Raphael Meshulam from Israel and Takuno Lam and the work that they're doing in other parts of the world that is really raising the vibration and helping us have a greater understanding of what's going on with this plant and ourselves and how it can help balance us um, individually and as a community.
0: Well, it's shocking to me that the system isn't taught to medical professionals. Really, I know you do. You do a lot of phenomenal work with Cannabis Nurses Network, and we'll talk about that before you leave today. But but before we do that, let's talk about the receptors. Could you explain to us what receptors take in uh, CBD versus, versus THC? How does it work? We're built to receive this medicine.
1: We absolutely are. And, you know, I'll share with you, I was at a conference and it was this high level, very um, professional word I use is stuffy um, medical conference with PhDs and doctors and researchers. And I think there was a former uh, head of the FDA was there. And so it was very um, a lot of ego and things going on. And, but one of the questions that was asked when, when a speaker was talking about CBD, they said, how does CBD work? And he turned to the audience and said, that's the $10 million question. And I went, okay, we just don't know yet. So what we do know is that I'm sure your listeners, um, if they listened to you, to your last um, episode, they learned about the endocannabinoid system, that there are there are many receptors, but the two basic we talk about mostly are the CB1 and the CB2 receptors. Um, and THC binds with directly with CB1 receptors. But what we know about cannabis or with about CBD is that CBD is like a promiscuous molecule, that it does stuff that we're not quite sure through research and science exactly what it does. It doesn't bind directly to the CB1 receptor, but it indirectly binds and helps the CBD or the THC work a little bit better. So one of the analogies, and let me clarify, because I said CBD and THC, so let me clarify. Um, There's a little analogy that I use, and it's if you are a worker and you come to work and your boss hasn't come, hasn't shown up yet, and they have the keys. And you're sitting outside and you notice, oh, my goodness, I need to wash the windows um, or let me scrub the doorknob or let me sweep outside a little bit because I can't quite get in the store to do the work that I need to do because my boss isn't here with the key. But if you're a really great worker, this is CBD. CBD comes to the door and it does what it does outside to make the, it look beautiful. But until THC comes. And unlocks that door so that CBD can really get to work, um, you find that CBD is limited in what it can do. And so the presence of THC unlocks that door to allow not only CBD, but we believe a lot of other um, cannabinoids to, to work even more effectively. Does that help answer a question? Well, isn't that interesting? Because it makes perfect
0: sense to me, and I'm, I'm sure other people are listening going, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense why it's so readily available at, at your gas stations and everywhere else you go because it, it doesn't really do what the full power and potential of the plant is is made to do. So it's okay to feel a little better and it's okay to be calm and, and soothed and, you know, um, all that. But if you add the THC, is it really that you then begin to discuss and feel and talk about real healing. Would that be fair to say?
1: I think that's fair enough to say. I mean, and some people just want to feel like they're using their CBD out on the golf course with their buddies and, or whatever, you know, to help reduce their muscle aches. Then there's people that really are trying to um, take care of their health in a certain way. And, and for those people they find, or they may come to find that, the full spectrum of this plant not excluding thc because of fear or stigma is really going to be what we call the gateway to health mm
0: that's really interesting and I don't want to make CBD sound like the bad guy it's just doing what it's supposed to do so it does what it's supposed to do and nobody's been really trained to know what that is and we're all kind of trying to reach into our computers and our heads and our communities and try to figure it out for ourselves so which brings me to the Cannabis Nurses Network Um, I know that you are a a founder of this and, and a fantastic advocate for educating medical professionals around the country do you Find that this is working. Are we? Are we out? Are you out there doing uh, the great work and bringing the medical field in? And are they getting it? How is this all working? Cannabis Nurses Network. Tell us about it.
1: Well, I to answer your question, we're closer than we've ever been before, and this is truly a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I've been doing this for ten years now, and we are closer today than we have ever been before in reaching mainstream medicine and helping them to understand that their stigma and fear is uh, prohibiting them from being the best healers and healthcare providers they can be. And so as they become aware of the endocannabinoid system and they become aware of the benefits and potential of cannabinoid therapeutics we are starting to see our patients having access to healthcare providers that are knowledgeable about these things and can truly help. So we are close. Um, Last year, I will say that last year, July of 2018, the National Council's State Boards of Nursing published for the first time ever uh, recommendations and guidelines for the care of the patient using medical marijuana. And what they did was they looked at the current legislation, they looked at it, they did a scientific literary review, um, and they looked at how, what are the nursing implications for this? Because as you know, cannabis is spreading, um, and this access is spreading due to the legal uh, strangleholds that are being taken off of the states. States are legalizing medical or recreational adult use cannabis. And so more and more people are using this and healthcare providers need to be aware. So what these recommendations and guidelines have done <clears throat> is basically given a pathway to state boards of nursing to understand how to start implementing policies for the care of cannabis patients. And the largest, the biggest, loudest thing that this entire document says is education, education, education. There is essential education that is lacking currently and they are calling for us as nurses and healthcare providers to receive this. So coming back to the Cannabis Nurses Network, we are a network of nurses that are doing what we do to help this movement move forward. And together, collectively, we are able to gather once a year and provide continued education to other nurses and healthcare providers. And we want to thank you too, Hillary, for coming and speaking so eloquently during our our conference and presenting on the spiritual nature of cannabis. And just really blowing our minds with the information that you shared with us about the Voynich manuscript and those um, knowledge
0: connections,
1: yes, (laughs) knowledge and wisdom that are being held from us. So we appreciate that.
0: Well, I think it's important. And so if people want more information about Cannabis Nurses Network, they can go to CannabisNursesNetwork.com. You have another gathering coming up next year. Do you want to give us the dates and tell us how people can register for that?
1: sure we're we're a little bit shifting on the dates but it's going to be in may during nurses week so somewhere around may 6th we'll be meeting again in san diego um go to the go to cannabis nurses network.com sign up for our newsletter and we'll keep you updated as things move forward with more information regarding the conference the conference is really amazing there it It's a place where magic happens and each time we meet and we spread, we have gathered information and knowledge and energy and left more motivated and empowered and we're able to go home and for a year we can work and work and work and then we can come back and gather again and gain that energy. So we do Encourage all nurses and healthcare providers to look into coming to the conference and sharing their energy with us and learning some things that um, are cutting edge and haven't quite hit the textbooks yet. You can
0: also go to the website and download the 2019 Complete Program. Uh, there's great resources on this website, guys. You can find videos and uh, speaker information, and if you have an event, that you are doing, and you need speakers on this topic. You have a wonderful directory of speakers that have been certified by the Cannabis Nurses Network, and you can bring them to you to help spread the positivity that exists within knowledge. Um, So I want to spend the last few minutes of the show going into the spiritual nature of cannabis, which, you know, is one of my favorite topics. So talk to me a little bit about your own experience with the spiritual nature of cannabis.
1: Oh boy. We're going to do this at the end, Hillary. (laughs) Well, you know, it's a hanger. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Definitely. I have always been a lover of nature, I've always been able to communicate with plants and relate to them. Um, As I was trained with other plant medicines, I learned to really hear what it is that these plants are trying to help us understand. And I believe that plants are our teachers. Cannabis is a profound and amazing teacher that if we just quiet ourselves a little bit, We will learn things that are very needed in this world right now. You will hear that harmony and synergy and inclusion and lack of stigma and coming into that spiritual nature of yourself. We, as you said, we are hardwired for this plant. When we consume this plant, as it's been consumed for thousands of years, as a spiritual sacrament when we take this plant in and we really listen are I believe that the veil is thinned and that we can communicate with our true selves in a way that we can't do when our lives are noisy and loud from the external world. And so I believe that what cannabis is able to do is to help us tap into ourselves and listen to a true nature, divine nature of ourselves, and to be able to make better decisions from that platform and that space and that understanding. And just taking the moments to be with this plant, to cultivate it, to process it, to use it, all aspects of engaging with this plant feeds the human spirit. And I stand by that because I've seen it in action in the lives of others as well as in my own life. And I am forever grateful to this plant for what it has done for me in my well-being, in the lives of my family, from my elderly parents down to children in my family that are benefiting medically from it, um, I will forever be grateful to this plant for sharing its spirit wisdom with, with me and those that I can continue to share that message with.
0: Has it been difficult to bridge the topic of the spiritual nature of the plant with the scientific nature of the plant?
1: Yes, but not really because people like you and I, Hillary, when we show up in the world and just be who and what we are, they can understand, right? People feel our spirit. And because I'm trained in scientific knowledge and I know these things, I can speak from that platform. But I'm also trained in the spiritual ways. I am in tune and able to deliver messages in a way, hopefully, that touch the spirit of others because that's where you really make the impact.
0: I think this plant is bringing about a massive revolution of consciousness. And as a master teacher plant, which is part of what my research verifies, is that this plant has been through a journey with us humans, a roller coaster journey of help and demonization, help, demonization. I mean, back and forth, back and forth. People have been um condemned because of their use for it they have been shunned they have been shamed and now that we're watching the potential for lifting that off of people and freeing them from that well isn't that a massive spiritual act in it itself i have found that when i begin the conversation on the spiritual aspect of these of this plant and other healing plants as well it's easier for people to accept the role of other plants that have health benefits. But when it comes to cannabis, there is this massive block in their consciousness to allowing the conversation to even happen at times. But there are the rare few that's growing and growing that do end up having the conversation. And, you know, as you know, I teach meditation or I I will be teaching. In fact, I have an event coming up in Denver in August, where I'm going to be teaching the spiritual nature of cannabis and working with meditation. It's not really being done. I don't see a lot of people organizing events. Maybe I'm I'm just not in the loop, but when I google on there, that's another that's another thing too is when you go on to the computer and you google things or you follow hashtags or you do that, it's changed. You don't get what you think you're going to get or expect. Um, So that's a whole nother topic I'll be talking about next week with uh, CE News founder Joe Martino. So I just want to say quickly, thank you, Heather, so much for being here and for sharing your wonderful journey and fabulous expertise on this. And I hope people are listening and you reach out to Heather and to the Cannabis Nurses Network and you participate in the freeing of this plant so that can help other people the way it was meant to be. Thank you, Heather, for being here.
1: Thank you, Hillary. It's been a pleasure of mine.
0: Next week, folks, I talk about platform censorship, internet censorship. I'm going to be talking with Joe Martino from CE News, and he's going to be here to share his experience firsthand with what we're facing in the digital age. Thank you so much. I'm your host, Hillary Ramo, and this is Real Talk Radio.